This is Fully Sick, a podcast about chronic illness and disability. This isn't a space for Debbie Downer's inspiration porn or snake oil merchants. I'll just be having a chat with a different person every fortnight about their experiences. My name's Jenny O'Keefe and my experience comes from 12 years of fibromyalgia and five years of chronic fatigue. In translation, all my stuff hurts and I'm super knackered most of the time. I also live a pretty fun and full life and my illness isn't the be all and end all of my existence. Being fully sick can be isolating at times, so I'm going to meet up with a different person each fortnight and hear their story. Bit of state the obvious housekeeping, this podcast isn't a substitute for medical advice. Each person's story is their own individual expression and doesn't seek to explain the situation of everyone with the same condition, illness or disability. That's Diversity University 101. As well as hearing from a different person each episode, we'll also have regular contributions from Alice Williamson, our science guru, and Tracy O'Donnell, who'll chime in with her own unique sociological perspective at the end. A bit of a Dr. Phil moment, but less patronising moustache action. On with the show. As this is the first episode of Fully Sick, I thought... Um, maybe a bit of background information on me and why why I feel so compelled to ask a lot of personal questions of a lot of people um, might be handy to know. So I'm sort of turning the tables a bit this week and subjecting myself to that process and I've asked my lovely wife Tracy to step in as interviewer. Um, so oh, it uh, feels weird to say this, but I'm uh, giving the reins of control over to you <laughs> um, now. Great. Which is really weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want a recording of that sentence. <laughs> so, Jen, maybe you could start by letting us all know how this started with you. You know, maybe clarifying what conditions it is you, you have. Okay. Yep. Um, so I have I have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and probably a bunch of other stuff as well. Like I've had some mental health stuff. I've experienced depression and anxiety, I think, as a result of those things. Mm-hmm. What else have I got? I've got a hiatus hernia. It's not really relevant though. Um, so my main things, I guess, <laughs> are the fibro and the chronic fatigue. So what the way that I know how to explain that is... Um, it's chronic pain and for me it's largely around my arms, uh, my neck, my hands, my back. Um, my legs are pretty okay and my feet. Um, and when I say fatigue, that the fibro? That's you the fibro, yep. yep. And when I say fatigue, it's not like I feel a bit tired. It's more like it's more like that jet lag kind of tired. It's it's a really sticky kind of tired where I don't know, just how do I explain? Um you've sometimes used the analogy with me that it's kind of like your body's made of velcro. Yeah. Sort of the idea of you know, you're kind of extracting yourself from a couch. Yeah. Yeah. And that can lead so both of those things and particularly in combination can lead to brain fog, confusion. Mm-hmm. I often lose my train of thought. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time I lose my train of thought. I find it difficult to think of words. Nouns are really hard for me sometimes. Oh, you know, it's like that classic Homer Simpson thing. You know, the tool used to dig food, a spoon. Um, <laughs> so I'll often, you know, go in my head 
Um, like the other day I was um, looking up an episode of Broad City, which I we both love watching, and and I was like, oh, what's that show? Um, and I was like, oh, you know, the four and three and two and one one show, because that's how the theme song goes, and yeah. and it sort of takes a few steps for my brain to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, one day it took me 40 minutes to remember the word irony, you know, you know things like that. It's just... <laughs> it's quite it's I laugh because it's ridiculous um and I'm quite a word wanker as well so for that to be a thing is really strange for me yeah 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 does that answer your question yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and so how did you come to have fibro and chronic fatigue mm. good question um I'm not sure but um at the time so the fibro came along first and the fatigue about six or seven years in, I think. So the fibro, what was I doing? I was um, working in, in the field of sign language interpreting, Auslan interpreting, and um, I'd been studying really hard to get my qualification in the lead up, volunteering a lot as well. So basically my every waking hour was jam-packed full with work, study, volunteering etc and exercise as well as I was the fittest I'd ever been in my life at that stage and why my theory is I don't know I, I just feel like I put way too much pressure on my body and my adrenals and something just went ping and went nah you need to stop mm. so the way that reflected was I got a shoulder injury in my right shoulder and then through your work I was actually on a camp and where we didn't speak all weekend, we just signed. And I went on a flying fox. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, but I know that when I got home, I was more tired than I'd ever remember feeling. And the next day I couldn't lift my arm, my right mm. arm at all. Um, so I, I ended up overusing the left arm, which led to both arms sort of being in a similar situation. And that was really, really scary. Um, so I tried lots and lots of things at that stage. It took a long time to work out what was wrong with my arm, but I didn't feel like I could stop, really. Stop. Uh, stop what? working, stop. One of the most ridiculous examples I can think of is that I was working at the time um, as a support worker for the Deaf Blind Association. So I would be working with clients um, who had a dual sensory loss so they were both deaf and blind and so I would be you know driving a client to the supermarket helping them to do their grocery shopping to access that kind of thing um, getting home unpacking their shopping but I then couldn't do that for myself yeah, right. um, so yeah I ended up sort of having to leave all of my various jobs and that was really hard how old were you at the time um I was 24. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. 24. Yeah. Mm. So how did you react, do you think, to mm. having fibro and then later on having chronic fatigue? I was quite panicked, I think. I really spent a lot of time, energy, finances, resources, just digging, 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 trying to find an answer, trying to find something to fix whatever it was, yeah. which was very supported and urged by my family as well. They were really like, oh, you have to keep trying because there's got to be something that will make you better mm -hmm. and back to your normal self. Um, and I've never become back to my normal self, really. 
I've become a different person. I don't think in a bad way. Yeah, I was really yeah. interested just then when you said back to your normal self, what oh. that actually would mean now. Yeah, that's I mean, completely... what that means broadly in the world. But yeah. Yeah, yeah that's completely, completely changed. So but yeah. back at the time. Sorry, yeah. Back no, to that's point. all right. But back at the time of, you know, when you're in your mid-20s, mm. there was a drive both within you but also within your family to mm. almost on this quest to find mm. out how this happened and how it could be reversed. Reversed, yeah. Reversed. Yeah. 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 Um, I also reacted by laughing a lot and I think that's still part of my personality but it was just that so many horrible things happened all in a once I, I all at once in a row I would just be like oh great another thing okay well that's pretty hilarious who's put out a fatwa on me or who's got a voodoo doll or you know yeah um just making light of it in that way and it it took me a really long time before I could even start to look at I'm really scared and I don't know what to do and I'm pretty lonely you know Mm, yeah 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 and so when you know it's what six or eight years into having fibro and you find out you have chronic fatigue yes is that a different process or what what was that Mm. like then i had worked for two years doing a broadcasting job where i was a breakfast radio announcer and at a community radio station and that meant getting up super early, as you know, and as most people would know, because you're on air at six till nine in the morning and then the rest of the day is sort of spent preparing for the next day and the next day and the next day and it's an ongoing thing. And uh, so I left that after two years because I was so unwell. I was just so exhausted on top of my pain stuff, which I'd sort of come to be able to manage by then. And... I went to, was it a doc, some, I can't even remember, there's parts of, there's so many big blotches of time that had just gone from my mind because I was so tired, but I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue after that, and then, and around the same time actually, I was very, very depressed because having to leave that job, which was sort of, after I had to finish up doing interpreting because my arms didn't really work very well anymore, that was the new love of my life in terms of career was broadcasting was something that I could do I could always talk and talking was never a problem but doing those those early mornings and those hours just didn't really work for me weren't the right match it was just like putting on a pair of shoes that didn't fit and I persevered for as long as I could but it had a pretty horrible impact on my health doing that but then I was like oh well If I can't do this, then what the fuck am I going to do? I can't leave another career. I can't start again. So that sent me spiralling into a lot of really dark times, I Mm. think. Yeah. And is it that, and forgive my ignorance, but is it that people who have fibromyalgia are likely to then go on and develop chronic fatigue and or have depression or anxiety or... Mm. I think... It's a really good question. Everyone's different. Yep. Um, and I know that everyone with fibromyalgia, it, it expresses itself differently in every different body and every different mind. I think I'm quite prone to a bit of depression and anxiety. I, I know it's in my family. And I think I'd put such, even in the lead up to um, becoming diagnosed with fibro, I had always put a lot of pressure on myself. And I think that really led to um, that mental health stuff. 
yep. as well, yeah. So it's not necessarily a given that people with fibromyalgia get chronic fatigue or vice versa um, or that um, people with either of those conditions develop mental health problems. But for me, it was all sort of part of the same parcel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. So how did your family – how did having either of these conditions or – and all the mental health stuff. So at any point in the journey you want to speak to, mm. how did that impact things like family, friends, romance, Ooh. whatever area you want to speak to? First? Oh my gosh, oh, so so deeply, all of those, all of those parts of my life completely changed. Um, I went. I think so. First of all, in my family, I went from being a high achiever. Um, I'm the youngest in my family. I have three siblings and my parents are quite elderly. And I don't know, I guess... I'm smiling a little bit about whether or not they'd want to know. <laughs> they'd be referred to as elderly, but... They're ye oldie. <laughs> Martin Park they Kettle. they <laughs> Older than you. Yeah, yeah. Um, in my family, I went from being a high achiever, the intellectual one in the bunch, I guess, which is weird to being the sick person and that really stuck in my crawl (laughs) and it still does to this day when with anyone but particularly with my family when um, assumptions are made or decisions are made for me because I'm perceived to be I don't know um, not up to things but I'm still really good in a crisis what do you mean by that get what can you give an example of when it might get stuck in your crawl or people are making assumptions about your expect about your is it your ability or yeah my ability and my capabilities I think so what might that be where um just I think it's something that you and I talk about a lot and we understand that but that might be a bit vague for people listening well it come and I just want to preface this by saying it comes from a place of love and concern but it's not cool (laughs) at the same time um, where I'll go to. So a few weeks ago we went to an event that my sister had organized and um, where we walked around all day at this thing and I called her to debrief and say, oh, how are you going? That that was amazing. You did really well organising that huge thing. And she said, oh, you must be so tired having to walk around all day. You can't really handle that. Mm. <laughs> and so I'm always just bracing myself for that. Yep. Because I want to say I'm actually fine. Anyone would be tired after walking around all day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes it does completely wreck me to walk around all day, but it's not for other people to tell me how I am. Yeah, and I, you know, I've talked to, I've talked with, with her many times about that issue. It just doesn't seem to stick. You know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's that thing with families where there's always dynamics, and there's always Absolutely, we yeah. position one another in different roles, and yep. that then ver- you know, validates our own role and whatever. Yeah. And also, like you said, you know, like you prefaced that story. It's all about mm. people actually wanting to support and love and care for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just yeah. comes across as a bit patronising. Yeah. And that's what bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I don't ever ring my mum and go, oh, you're so old. Do you want me to get you a blender so you don't have to chew your food, you know? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> no, yeah. I can barely breathe. <laughs> Um, what about with friends? Oh, with friends. Um, what do you think? Well, a lot of friends kind of dropped away from my life and... Linked to this, do you think? Yeah, I think, yeah. well, I wasn't around as much. 
um, socially. I wasn't able to do as much. I wasn't working in the same field as a lot of my friends anymore. And I think at that time in your life anyway, in your mid-twenties, your friendships are kind of based, can be based around who are you spending time with the most. Mm. And I think at the time it felt really hard, but looking back it's totally fine. Yeah. And what about ongoingly, sort of now you know. Oh, how does it impact my friendships now? Do you know I've got, I've got a really dear friend who uh, moved to the place that moved to Castlemaine where we live about what is it now like five months ago and we sort of vaguely knew each other friend of a friend and she's got uh, she's got a disability that um that means that we have a lot of understanding about how it is to move around in the world and be in pain and feel a bit different to other people but we look fine and so I found that being able to have friendships like that are really important to me where I don't have to explain and I don't have to you know say oh sorry I can't sit on the ground. Can we find a bench? Because we both know that about each other. Mm. But, you know, not everyone that I'm friends with has a pain issue. But I think it's more about just that level of understanding and empathy that goes both ways. Yeah. It's definitely not just about I need all of my friends to know what I'm thinking because that's not it at all. It's more I want really open friendships where... Well, I suppose... It feels like part of what you're describing is what it's like to actually have a friend where there is that unspoken and you knowing that you both share mm. and that you also have a whole bunch of friends who don't have that shared knowing either. Mm. Um, and that's completely fine. Yeah. And I think I, one of the things I've seen over recent years with you and friendships is it's become more and more important that there's actually room and openness to have space to talk about this. Or to acknowledge it. Um, That's been a huge learning curve, I think. Yeah. Because I think for a number of years I I wasn't ashamed or embarrassed, but it just felt like I didn't want to bang on about myself and be perceived as a whinger. I didn't want to make things all about me. I didn't. And because in my head and in my body, it feels like a feels it's just a part of my life now, but it it feels like a big thing. And it's something Mm. that not everyone has going on. But what I've come to understand is that everyone's got something going on. Mm. You know, it might be that they're extremely socially anxious or it might be that, I don't know, that I can't think of another example, but. But it might just be they're having a shit day. Yeah. 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 Um, And I think because of my experiences that I've had over the last 11 years um, having chronic illness is that I get it. You know, I get if you're having a shit day, man, I get it. Mm. And I think my friendships have come to reflect that in that, you know, it's, it's, it's now very important to me to have a, a two way street where we have that shared empathy and we can be really open and honest with each other and we can hear where we're at and meet each other where we're at. Mm. Like the friend I was talking about before, Eliza, who I'm going to, interview for this podcast um she has she and I have a policy that we can always cancel on each other and we will never feel guilty about it because we totally get it Mm. stuff comes up and it's because there's so much of I know that for me there's so many times where I have to cancel things that I don't want to and and the worst part about it is that sick feeling of guilt or oh fuck I'm letting someone down I'm letting them down at the last minute you know so we've just decided to remove that element from our friendship which is amazing (laughs) it's really great 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something when you said before about you didn't want to be talking about yourself or making it all about you or anything like that in friendship. For me, one of the things I hear is that you didn't want to have needs. And I think that's a fairly universal (laughs) – I don't think that's unique to you. I don't think it's unique to people who have um, different health issues. I just think we live in a society that likes to perpetuate the myth that we don't have needs and we all must be easygoing and self-reliant and somehow still connected and part of everything. Um, (laughs) Can I I just expand on that? Please. Last night, so yesterday you and I, we went into Melbourne, so that's a one-and-a-half-hour drive from where we live, and we had 12 hours from door-to-door, basically, where we were out doing stuff all day. Um, had a great time. It was really fun. And on the way home, I had a text from my friend saying, oh, how are you going? And and I wrote back. I said, oh, I'm great. I've had the best day. Um, my back's in spasms, and I feel like I could sleep for a week. How are you? You know, it's those things ha- exist at the same time. I've had a great day. I'm in a lot of pain, but I don't. I don't really. I'm just. I guess I feel like I'm just actually learning to do this, where I don't feel the need to go. Oh, but it's okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no sort of. I don't need to qualify that anymore with people who know me, because if because I know, you know, if you're asking me how I am, you want to know. Um, cause I don't really do that bullshit. Hey, going here? Good. Thanks. Good. How are you? Yeah. With people that I'm close with. Cause I, when I ask you, I really want to know, how are you? What's been happening for you? So yeah, those things sort of happen at the same, in the same section of the Venn diagram. Great day. Shit back. So tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> really happy. All happening at the same time. Yeah. 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 Um, what's it done to your work and finances, do you think? Mm. Uh, (laughs) Well, work, I've had to sort of make my own business because, I don't know, working for other people, it's a bit tricky for me because I did for a while, actually, like I worked at radio, in radio stations for a number of years. Um, and then I became so unwell that I just sort of bowed out of that and I have my own business. I'm a celebrant um, and that means that on weekends I'm going to weddings and officiating ceremonies and during the week I meet with clients um, and talk about their relationship, which is really lovely, and I'm also at home writing ceremonies, doing legal paperwork, that kind of thing. So a lot of the work that I do, I pick my own hours. I work when I can. Um, There's peak times of the year when I'm quite busy and there's times when I'm not as busy. So that works really well for me and I seem to be able to manage. I've never, oh, I think there was one time I had to not officiate a ceremony, but that's because I had the flu and I lost my voice, which happens to every celebrant at least once. Um, and, but ev- yeah, I'm always extremely reliable in my work and that's because I'm able to manage my own time. Mm. Yeah. And what, so you've given us a little bit of an insight. What does an average day look like for you? So I wake up probably, it's different every day, but um, this morning I think I woke up at about 7.30, 8 o'clock. I'm a bit of a slow start in the morning. I wake up, I generally wake up feeling pretty crummy. I feel pretty tired, sore, and I will... Sometimes I wake up with a migraine, which is from sort of pinchy body stuff at the base of my head and my neck. Um, But I'll always sort of get up and 
I always feel better after I've moved a bit. So I will just sort of wander around the house. I don't know what I do. I. <laughs> Why is this a hard question? It's pretty exposing. Yeah, it is exposing actually. So I'll be in my jammies for quite a long time. I never just get up and have a shower and get ready to go unless I have to be somewhere. So look, I'll make a coffee or a cup of tea. I'll go to the computer, check emails and sort of make a plan for the day, depending on how I feel. If I'm feeling really, really terrible, um, I know I'll be able to get stuff done in the morning and then have to sort of shut up shop just after lunch so yeah I spend a lot of time at the computer and then in between tasks I will wash dishes I will hang out laundry I'll potter around the house I often um, pop out and have a coffee with a local friend maybe two or three times a week on weekdays and then in the afternoons you might be less active yeah so on yeah like most most of the time I'm not really like there's no way I could do a nine to five. I just don't have the ability to sit at a desk for that long. I need to lie down flat um, because my back gets quite spasmy. Um, on a Monday, I do Pilates in the morning for an hour and a half. On a Wednesday evening, I do yoga. Um, I'll go to the pool once or twice a week. And I don't really do full on swimming or anything, but I'll just sort of bob around in the water and feel nice and do a bit of, you know, I'll just walk some laps in the shallow bit and just move my body around in the water where it feels better I love to cook I I don't make dinner every night but I try and organize our dinner when I can and I often try to do that earlier in the day when I've got a bit more energy and my brain works what else so in the afternoon I might lay on the couch I don't really go to bed during the day unless I'm really unwell and I might do some crochet I might um just spend ages just flicking through Facebook because that's a really easy way to connect with other people. I might watch my stories on telly, <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it is really exposing Yeah, talking about this. I feel really embarrassed, but I don't know why. Yeah. I think because it's different to the majority of people. I'm not, and I feel really conscious of that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's so much pressure for us to be... Yeah. Constantly doing, active, doing, doing, yep. yeah, and producing or something, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so I guess when I'm having downtime, I'm definitely having downtime. I've usually got a blanket on me, um, because it's comforting and it makes me feel a bit better. I'm not necessarily comfortable when I'm resting, um, I find it hard to be comfortable at the best of times. And if you're ever sort of spending time with me, you'll notice I'm very wriggly, I fidget a lot, it's because I'm very uncomfortable. Just my body's never really feeling good. I have a very elaborate pillow system. <laughs> if I sleep at someone else's house and I don't take my pillow, it's just a disaster. Um, and the same with my iPad. I, I use, um, you know, iView, Netflix, that sort of stuff. I use that to manage anxiety sometimes where if I, I know if I can zone out, I can deal with, um, whether it's pain or worries or things like that. I go to sewing class once a week and I love that because it uses a part of my brain that I don't, there's nothing else I can think of. Mm. You know, it's a new thing that I'm learning. So I fidget a lot and I get quite uncomfortable. But on Thursdays, I always bake a cake or some muffins and I take it to sewing class in the evening and do sewing for three hours and that's been one of the best things that I've ever done, I think, for my 
happiness and my mental health and just life in general. It's so nice to make things. Yeah, absolutely. Really nice. And I wonder yeah. if also another uh, pleasure in it is that you are like everybody else in the room. Yeah. It's not an activity where yeah. you have to bow out or do something different to other people yep. or a modified version or – yeah. Yeah. And it's not some form of rehabilitation or treatment (laughs) or, you know, I'm not at the osteo. I'm not in the pool because my body hurts. I'm not, you know, it's just, I'm just a lady going to sewing class. Mm. Yeah. So what does a bad day look like? Um, shit ass, mate. (laughs) Shit ass. (laughs) To be as bogan as possible. Um, Care to elaborate? Oh, bad day is I, my brain will not allow me to understand how to um, assemble some food to eat. So I might be hungry all day um, unless I can work out, oh, there's some boiled eggs in the fridge. Okay, that's doable. A bad day is just, uh, it's often just sort of drifting from room to room and not really knowing what I'm doing, um, not being able to hold a thought in my head, not being able to comprehend what's going on. So if, say... For example, if my mum rings me, I might answer it, but I won't really be able to take in what she's saying. Uh, I can't. And you'll often forget to take pain relief or not Uh, know how to kind of soothe yourself. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, but it's just I can't work it out. Yeah. 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 And um, it feels like giving up to just go to bed or to watch TV. Um, But eventually after a few hours, I'll do that um if i'm in a migrainey place the only thing that shifts it is going to sleep um so that takes um some pretty strong painkillers sometimes caffeine really works as well uh, i'll always start with some caffeine and some aspirin but yeah i can't think i can't put that thought in my head i'll get a heat pack or get an ice pack because i'm just so discombobulated from the amount of pain i'm in yeah i don't know what else about day looks like what about a good day a good day. I had a really great day. Was it Thursday? Yeah. I'd been out for a coffee. I made um, a cake. I organised our dinner. I'd made fresh gnocchi for our dinner. I'd also got a lot of work done. I'd rested in between. The washing was off the line. I had a great time at sewing class. I slept really well that night. That's a great day. Mm. And is it great because of the activities or what's actually happening for you or how does your body feel that makes it a great day? Um, Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great because I feel kind of productive and normal. Yep. Yeah. And I don't feel like a sick person. Because you have more energy or less pain? Is it a less pain day, a good day? I think, yeah, I think it's less pain. I think my brain is functioning, but I'm also remembering those self-care things like have a rest in between tasks. It's always rest, reassess. So if I've worked for an hour, I need to go break that cycle you know go outside and just sit for five minutes and they go okay what am I up to now can I go back to the computer will I go back to the computer yes I've got that in me okay great Mm. yeah and what what does acceptance mean to you um acceptance is a very new thing and I think I talk about this a fair bit in the podcast but um with other people last year in winter I think I was at that point, 10 years into having fibromyalgia and 
From a mortal. From a mortal. <laughs> I was about I was a decade in and for the first winter since I became sick or became unwell or diagnosed or whatever word, I didn't get horribly depressed in winter. And that had just become a thing that happened. And I think because always the because the winter exacerbates my symptoms. So I think I've got sort of a status quo or I can deal, I can deal and then winter comes and it's just that little bit harder or a lot harder and can't deal. So there's the there's the physical stuff but then also the mental fallout from that which is, oh, I'm fucked. Oh, well, life's really shit. Oh, mm. every day is hard. I can't – how do I go on? And but it's going to be like this forever is yeah, often the feeling you that's described a, to me. That's a very big fear that I have, yeah. Um. Now I just live with this level of pain, you know, this yeah. amped up level of pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it always shifts. It always changes. That's that's something that I've come to understand. When we moved to Castle Mine, I started seeing a – what's what is she? A, nar- a narrative therapist who has completely changed my life. I don't know if I was ready to do the work or – I think she's brilliant as well. But one day she said to me, what if – you could accept that this is how your life is. And it had literally, genuinely had never occurred to me mm. <laughs> because of that that mindset of, oh, I've got it. And my dad literally says this, you've got to keep turning over every stone. You've got to keep trying. You can't just leave it like this. And she asked me that question, what if you accepted that this is how life is? And feel, how does your body feel when you accept that and when you think about that and turn it over in your head? And I closed my eyes and I sat back in the chair and I felt my shoulders drop and just this relief. Oh my God, the pressure was gone. I didn't have to be anything other than who I was. I didn't have to be different to who I am. I, you know, I didn't have to try and be a well person because I'm not. Mm. I didn't have to pretend. So after that, I don't know, just this huge shift occurred where it was winter and it was cold and my body hurt a lot and I was very tired all the time. But I just, what did I do? I downloaded a whole series of MasterChef and just watched it and learned about cooking (laughs) because that was something that um, was completely separate from work. So I wasn't watching the TV and thinking, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that or self-punishing or you know any of that kind of stuff. I was going, oh, that's an interesting thing to do with eggs. Cool. I'm going to make a note of that in my phone and when I'm up to it, I'm going to try that. And so our dinner's improved a lot um, <laughs> from there. But I just, I just let myself have a new interest and have downtime and actually learn to rest in an effective way, not in a panicked fear of missing out kind of way. And mm. that completely changed my life. So that's what acceptance means to me. Beautiful. What... What do you wish people knew about you in terms of these conditions? I wish people knew that I'm not as well as I seem and how much I would like to go to all the things they invite me to. But I most often don't because I think night time is it's a bit tricky. It's when I've kind of used up all my energy for the day unless I've consciously done absolutely nothing that day so in order to sort of live a functional life I'm not really able to socialize a lot 
So when I do, it's not necessarily because I've prioritised that person or that event or that thing over other people. It's just because it's worked out that day that I'm able to. And sometimes I need to make a pretty quick getaway. Like if I'm, for example, um, I can think of a specific example actually. Uh, Last year I went to see um, a writer's festival thing and I would have loved to stick around afterwards and and chat with a few people who were there but because I was sort of sitting still in a chair for over 45 minutes my back goes into spasms and it's really uncomfortable so I have to kind of just leave because I can't really deal with it so yeah I think sometimes because I'm not walking around I'm in a lot of pain it's it's easy to forget because I don't look like I'm in pain as far as I know so I think sometimes I can offend people without meaning to. Um, yeah, I get overstimulated really easily as well, and so sometimes um, I don't know. Having house guests for the weekend can be a bit tricky. I love having people coming up to stay with us in Castlemaine, um, and at the same time, I I kind of need those people to understand that I'm going to need a lot of downtime where we're not talking or doing stuff or out on walks or whatever so that can be a bit tricky to navigate in terms of um, etiquette I guess. Do you want to talk about what medical interventional support you've utilised over the years? Oh yeah sure um GPs um what's that a rheumatologist diagnosed me and then basically just pimped meditation at me non-stop for months um I didn't find that particularly useful just because I'm not very good at Having a still mind. <laughs> um, acupuncture is brilliant for me. Alexander Technique has been incredible. And that, just if you are not sure what I'm talking about, it's it's a way, it's a technique where you learn to hold your body in a, in a manner that it doesn't matter what injury or pain you have, if you make really subtle adjustments, you can be more comfortable. Mm. So that's been amazing. I did that for a number of years. Um, acupuncture, Alexander Technique, osteo, in particular craniosacral osteopathy, which is a very subtle, gentle form of osteo. Um, I find physios aren't that great for me because it's a bit too um, fierce. It has to anything has to be very, very gentle, or I have quite negative impact. Or it has a negative impact on me. Um, regular massage is great when I can afford it. Oh, Pilates is really good. Having strength in my core helps me to not need the parts of my body that hurt as much because uh, I can get the strength from my core to move my arms. I don't take a lot of medication. Um, I take I take a pill once a day for um, my depression. <laughs> That's our dog Clem. Did someone walk past? Oh no. Someone with a dog no. Oh bloody hey. hell. I take a pill once a day which is an antidepressant which helps with my mood and I haven't really had any mental health stuff for how long? Gosh. Ages. Um but I think that's because of the medication I'm taking and that particular medication also takes the edge off my pain. Uh, which has been really helpful. That's called Cymbalta. I don't take a lot of painkillers. I do I? 
What do you think? No, I don't think so. No. Um, not compared, like, you know, I think about if I've got something like period pain, I'll pop it until it's just gone yeah. for four days. Yeah. Whereas you live with pain every day and yeah, yeah. some days you won't take anything. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time I don't take anything. Um, when I need a bit of assistance with my pain, I'll take a Panadol to start with. If that does nothing, I'll take like three hours later, I'll take a Macindol Day Strength. Um, in really severe things, I'll take a Night Strength Macindol, which is sort of like a Nurofen Plus kind of thing, but I can't really take Nurofen because of my gut. But aside from that, things like heat packs, you know, the the best thing that I've found for my pain costs about $3 and it's a jar of white tiger balm. So I can't even tell you how many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars I've spent on things that um, have been reported to assist with fibromyalgia or cure fibromyalgia and all, all this stuff. There's a lot of people that are willing to take money from sick people. Um, but for me, it's tiger balm. And a little spiky ball that I got from a Pilates equipment supplier that I'll put in my, um, against my shoulder blade and then I'll sort of wriggle around against that on the wall or the floor just to release knots that um, come from sort of being tense all the time from being in pain. That sounds really awful, but it's just life. I'm not that upset by it, really. Is that everything? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, let me just double check let me think in my head yoga which has a bit of meditation in it which i think is actually really good for me i'm just not great at doing it um but very very gentle yoga i've had periods of time where i've been too unwell but have tried to do things like yoga and i always end up running out of the room crying because i mean i can't do it and i feel like a loser um but at the moment i'm giving it another go and i'm really enjoying it which is great mm. yeah great what, what's your self-esteem, your self-image like, sorry, these days? It's really good at the moment. I think at this, I don't know if it's the age and stage that I'm at. I'm 35. I know who I am. I'm loved. I'm in love with a beautiful woman. Um, I've got a wonderful house, a wonderful community. I've got pets that I adore. I've got friends that I love. Um, I've got a lot of activities that that make me really happy my job is completely fabulous and really um really satisfying in terms of my values yeah I feel really I feel really good at the moment are you gonna um, cry no you are um <laughs> you bozo <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I feel good about myself at the moment. I think, um, I got the idea to do this podcast because I, I heard from two different people who had contacted me. So it was during winter last year and they both contacted me saying, this is fucked. I don't know how I'm going to get through the next day, let alone the next week, let alone the whole of winter. They both have sort of chronic painy illnessy kind of things and I went to one of them I sort of just chatted with her on Facebook but the other person I went to visit and we sat and had an afternoon of just sitting and and just having a really frank open discussion about what is life like for you what what helps how do you feel about yourself all that kind of stuff and 
by the end of that discussion, we both just felt like a hundred bucks, you know, mm. <laughs> to use a Kath and Kim <laughs> quote. Um, but just felt a lot lighter. I think it's that thing about not being alone. Yeah. Because it can feel really isolating, especially when you need to spend a lot of time by yourself resting um, and you can't go to a lot of social stuff and you have to cancel a lot of things. Um, you can feel really alone and like no one understands and all that kind of stuff. But just having that brief connection with another person who really understands where you're coming from is, God, I, I drove away from visiting that person thinking, I wish I could bottle that. Because that was one of the most therapeutic things I've done in a long time. Mm. And it was mainly just listening, you know. So that's what this podcast is. I just, I hope that it's, hope that it's galvanizing. Mm. Um, if you're listening and you're a person who's experiencing ill health or you've got a condition or a disability that's causing you pain or, you know, any anything like that, you're not alone. None of us are alone. And I hope that, I hope that this is a positive thing for you to listen to. Yeah, beautifully said. Um, yeah. And I, as you were talking, I was also thinking about that thing of the loneliness of lack of visibility. You know, that thing yeah. where you don't see, you know, on TV or in media, you don't see or read or hear about people's experiences of yeah. ill health or disability or different conditions. And well, you don't readily see it or see it that often. And... You know, I suppose I'm thinking about what it's like to walk around in the world, in a you know, hetero world as a gay woman and the lack of visibility there. And so kind of just wondering if that's a similar sort of lo- mm. loneliness and isolation that just day to day you live with. And it's not until I do something mm. like go to queer film and then I see a lesbian movie and I think, oh, Lezo is great. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah um, I think that's a really, I think for me, that's, that's quite comparable. I think also the literal loneliness of I don't have a nine-to-five job where I go and spend time with other people all day and then come home and tell you about my day. Like often you'll come home and I'll tell you, oh, I hung out the washing, it was great. (laughs) Um, I don't have that incidental socialising. So it's the literal being alone. Um, But it's also the invisibility. I mean, there was a period of time where I needed a stick to walk and – I took a tram somewhere and I got on the tram and people were lovely, like falling over themselves to give me a seat. And I was thinking, I've needed a seat for 10 years and never felt like I could ask for it. So that invisibility is really tricky to navigate because because I look like a lot of other women my age. Hmm. You know, There's nothing that says this person is in a lot of pain and is a bit confused and clammy and really needs to sit down. <laughs> yeah. So that that's tricky. Has any funny stuff happened to you due to your condition? I think you are hilarious with mine. <laughs> and I call it I my, feel nervous. my trip stuff because you sometimes are so cheeky and we'll just be just, you know, hurling hilarious insults back and forth. And you'll say stuff to me like, if it wasn't for your fibro, I'd get you in a headlock. <laughs> and I often think um, when you have chronic fatigue that your eyes are beautiful. Yeah. You'll look at you'll look in my eyes when I'm just, you know, on another planet of tiredness. And you go, oh, you've got your chronic fatigue eyes. You're so pretty. And I, and I say, I made myself sick just for you, babe. 
<laughs> um, funny stuff. I don't know. Um, not really. Apart from from that, I mean, I think it's pretty funny. The I'm doing it now, where I just complete my train of thought becomes derailed, and I'm in my head. It's literally like do 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 do. There's a test pattern. There's no one home. Um, that's pretty funny sometimes. I manage it pretty well professionally because my job is to talk. I'm either talking to clients about their wedding or I'm doing public speaking, um, you know, officiating ceremony or I'm doing broadcasting where I'm talking. I have to, you know, string sentences together and know what the hell's going on. But I'm really good at faking it when I have to. Yeah. And just managing to sort of patch it all together until I can get home and just go bleh. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. I think anyway. Yeah. Do you have misunderstandings with people close to you or not close to you due to? All the time. All the time. Can I just say something as well? Yeah. That one of the, I don't know if this is linked to fibro or chronic fatigue, um, but you have a compromised immune system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, well, that affects you as well. That's a really you will get good any bug point, actually, and you can't go and see people who are sick. Or... Oh my gosh, that is such a big thing. Like I'll go to, we'll be going to someone's house for dinner, and then they'll have like a sniffle, and I'll just freeze and just be like, oh no. And they've cooked, and so their germs are definitely in the food, and and I'm so I'm so scared of germs because that little sniffle literally lands me on the couch for two weeks in agony, and people don't know that. And I don't want to walk in going, well, I can't eat your food because you are ridden with germs and revolting. It's not about that. It's just about I have plans and I and I don't plan to be on the couch for two weeks really sick. And I have commitments and I have things I need to get done and, and things I need to achieve and, I, you know, all that stuff. So it can be really tricky navigating that. Particularly when, you know, a lot of our friends have little kids and they catch a lot of bugs and I'm not really able to be a supportive friend when my friends are sick. (sighs) And it's taken you and I a long time to negotiate um, how we are together if you become unwell too. Um, Like I'm kind of, I'm pretty good with it now, I think, with caring for you when you're unwell. Um, But at the start it was... It was a big thing between us Mm. where I would just be like, all right, I'll see you in a week. Sorry. Got to go. And that that sounds really selfish and really cold. Um, But I know that if I catch it, it's going to be so much worse for you because you're going to have to look after me for so much longer than you had it, you know. Yeah. Mm. And I will do things when I'm unwell, like stay primarily in our bedroom so the actual house isn't full of germs. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that, which is different to if you're unwell. Yeah. 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 So I don't I don't actually take a lot of public transport for that reason. Um, I drive everywhere. Also because I can't really carry bags with me. I need to be able to just put them in the car. You need the toilet seat down. Uh, yeah, when people flush the... T- the lid, toilet lid the down. Toilet, when people flush the toilet, it's really important to me that the lid's down so that, you know, stuff doesn't go everywhere. Um and I'm I'm quite germ phobic. I'm quite worried about that sort of stuff all the time. 
It just came into my mind when you were talking. Mm, yeah. It's a and really I knew it was important. It's a really important point. I didn't yeah, I'd completely forgotten about it. Yeah. Um and I think, you know, because I'd asked you, you know, are there do you have misunderstandings with people close to you yeah. about this? And I think that can be one of them. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'd yeah. Mm. Yep. What were you gonna say? Um, I feel like different friends get that to different extents. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and some people will just think, oh, you're being ridiculous. It's over the top. You're so worried and it's not a big deal. It's just a sniffle. And there's no way that they can understand that because they're not in my body. So I completely get that. Um, but I also, I don't even know if I express it very well. Either. Well, I think regardless of whether an experience is happening in your body or not, you can take the word for and respect what somebody else is telling you about what's happening in their body. You'd Does that make so. sense? Yeah, yeah. you think so, but that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, but I just... Yeah. 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 Um, um, oh, uh, so going back to misunderstandings, um, when I was very, very, very early on, and I still wasn't really sure about what was happening with me, but I knew that there was something horribly wrong. Um, I was out at a gig and, and and one of my partners at the time, one of her friends said to me, spouted about mind over matter. Oh, I hurt my shoulder once and I just decided that it would be fine and I fixed it with my mind and you need to decide that you're not going to be unwell anymore. And at the time I was just like, oh, you know, I didn't really, I hadn't been through it a lot yet. Uh, but now I'd certainly give someone a serve if they ever said something so ridiculous to me but um at the time I was just very polite and very like oh that's a that's good that you got better (laughs) yeah it's it's so offensive you know people make assumptions like that but um if if it was about determination (laughs) there'd there'd be no sickness in my body whatsoever because I've got more determination in my pinky than you know a lot of people that I know because I'm determined to have a good day and a happy life in whatever form that takes I won't just stay in bed all day and go, well, I'm in pain, so fuck it. I'm just going to watch telly. On the days when I'm not well enough to get up, then I won't. But I try every day to do something that is fulfilling and satisfying for me. Mm. I'm not giving up. I'm not. I'm accepting the way things are, but I have a lot of determination and I use it every single day. Anyway, that's just my serve about that stupid idiot but um well I think as as well as you're talking I'm thinking about that the self-blame inherent in that oh my god if it's mind over matter um yeah yeah, and I just uh I don't even know what to say about that I don't feel like it's my (laughs) place to speak to that but that's what I hear it's just self-blame yeah (laughs) yeah and I think about that I don't I can't remember the quote now but about the quote about the stairs you know no amount of determination is going to yeah, can you so, yes, help me? <laughs> um, yeah, Stella Young, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to this TED Talk, but um, Stella Young was a disability activist who passed away, unfortunately, and she was amazing, amazing woman, not because of her disability, but just because she was very um, very good at expressing herself, at cutting through bullshit. Um, part of her TED Talk was... No amount of smiling at a staircase or good thoughts is going to turn it into a ramp. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, because people will say that the only disability in life is a bad attitude. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite frankly. Anyway. So, Jenny, if you could go back in time, you had a time machine, you could go back. And to when you're about 23, 24, what advice would you give yourself to get through the next 11 or so years? Mm, um, I would have loved to know you do not have to go to a different medical appointment every day of the week to try and cure yourself <laughs> because it is exhausting. It is far more exhausting than your illness. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I would have loved to know that I was, I was allowed to ease up a bit on trying to be the perfect sick person trying to get better. That's the main thing, I think. Um, But it was, I think it was something that I needed to learn in life in general, aside from health, you know. Just trying to be perfect all the time is exhausting and it's not really living. Yep. It's not being present. It's not experiencing how things really are. It's always looking ahead to an unreachable end of the rainbow gold nugget situation. So... It's often unattainable. Yeah. Yeah. Completely unattainable. So um, that's what I wish that I'd known. But I think I know that for me when I need to learn something, I really, really need to learn it to understand it. So I've definitely I've definitely got an understanding <laughs> of that now. Yeah. And it's and life's all the richer for it. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for a um, delight talking to you as always. (laughs) Thank you for um, interviewing. That was weird. Anywho, you're fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Thanks for listening to this first episode of Fully Sick. You've heard quite a lot about me, so here's a brief introduction to our other regular contributors. First, we'll hear from Tracy and then Alice, who is our science guru, and she'll be joining in each episode to demystify the biology behind the condition of the person we're chatting with. Hi, my name's Tracy O'Donnell. I am a social worker and counsellor and have been for about 13 years now. What I really like about those roles is the depth and the intimacy that I am allowed to share with people and I really enjoy hearing about people's lives and what shapes their lives and how they shape not only their lives but the world around them as well. So it's really kind of interesting to me to know how people move in the world both internally, externally, what goes on for them. I am married to Jenny who's the host of the show and the creator and we live with our two dogs and our cat and our eight chickens and I also love knitting and tarot and you'll hear me each fortnight. Hello, I'm Dr Alice Williamson and I'm originally from Warrington in the United Kingdom. I moved to Australia nearly four years ago to join the Open Source Malaria Project. I also teach chemistry at the University of Sydney and I love talking all things science. That's the first episode of Fully Sick for your listening pleasure. Thanks for tuning in and if you have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can email me via fullysickpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, Twitter and Instagram, which you can find by searching Fully Sick Podcast.
Thanks to freemusicarchive.org for the music and in particular the artist Dave Depper. My name's Jenny O'Keefe and I'm the producer of this episode and you can catch me, Tracy O'Donnell and Alice Williamson next time with Esther Anatolitis to hear about her experiences with endometriosis, migraines and seizures as well as being a total hero in the arts world, particularly around rural Victoria. Catch you next time. Cheers.